With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everyone, to your Rockin' Nation podcast. Uh, this is an episode of Dive Cuts. We're on season four, episode 30. Uh, my name is Sam Snelling. I am your host. With me, as always, uh, from the fair central plains of Indiana, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? I'm well. Uh, I'm glad to, that you gave me the update just a minute ago about uh, your collecting uh, progress on uh four roses recipes yeah uh, I, I wish you the best in that uh in that endeavor um but um yeah we're gonna talk about some basketball now uh we're gonna try and spare the people bur- bourbon talk well so for for anyone that uh is in the st louis area uh randall's the local liquor store released two four roses recipes today uh the uh so so four roses they they do uh a, if you go do a store pick with four roses uh you can do the regular 100 proof single barrel which is all going to be the OBSV recipe uh but they have 10 recipes Matt and so if you if you get into the barrel strength uh release um you can have any of the 10 recipes as, as the possibility of being your recipe so i'm on a little bit of a quest too and like this isn't i don't plan on having them all at the same time um but i i want to have uh all 10 recipes and i am up to what did i say six yep um so six of the ten i picked up the uh the obsq 
10-year-old, uh, 61.7% uh, alcohol by volume um, from Tier 5, bourbon and banter pick. So that was my, my pickup today. We're all very excited uh, here in the Snelling household. Uh, Allison's excited about this? <laughs> she, uh, always. Um <laughs> Not really. She's she's uh, she wonders she's, what's happened to her cabinet space. Most likely, just yeah. opens up a medicine cabinet, a, a bottle just falls out. It's mouthwash, honey. It's really fancy mouthwash. It's, there's there's a there's a few of them at this point that are just sitting in the basement, um, waiting for shelf space to uh, to to open up. Um, yeah, it's it, I fully acknowledge that. So, you know, people kind of joke like, you know, uh, you need an intervention. Like, I don't really need an intervention on drinking because, you know, like my drinking habits are largely the same as they've been. Like, I, I drink a little here and there. And uh, the, the problem, Matt, has become the buying. <laughs> like, I think I have a problem when I'm ordering, like, Capital City Go-Go basketball t-shirts for $10 off eBay. And then you send me pictures from, like, your trip to Southern Illinois where you're coming back with eight bottles of bourbon. And I think... Man, buying that T-shirt was a healthy thing to do. So, like, <laughs> hey, hey, not not all of that was bourbon. Um, there were there were two bottles of rum in there. It's 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 all it's all going to the same basic sector of the economy, the same sector, the alcohol yeah. sector. So let's just so what if you're there's a little bit of differentiation? It's all going to the same place. It's all going to look the same transactionally. Yeah. And so what's funny is I, you know, I kind of shared a picture with a buddy. And, and so one of the things that I got was a, a bottle of Buffalo Trace. And the Buffalo Trace is a store, is a store pick. So it's a store pick in uh, Southern Illinois, a place called um, Pinch Penny down in Carbondale. And, uh, you know, it's just like, why are you buying Buffalo Trace? Like, you could just buy that here. I'm like, hey, it's a store pick. Uh, and a store picks are typically better than regular, the regular version. And, and it was like the same price. So why not? So either, either I'll drink it or I'll, you know, give it to my dad. Probably that's probably what'll happen. Or it'll be using a Danny Ainge style trade for some other, to, some other bottle to acquire, to acquire more draft picks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, they don't lead anywhere. Uh, overall a, a uh and what's funny is like i've really not been buying a whole lot here recently and then like in the last week i think i've i've regressed well i think I've, so let me so yeah i think it was like eight in southern illinois and then uh i got four online and then one more today so yeah so just when I was starting to kind of whittle things down, yep, we're 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 gonna get back up, but uh, we're we're gonna clear some space soon here, Matt. Clear the table, uh, start fresh. Uh, Missouri is, I guess, they're also starting, fresh. I, yeah, like I mean, they're they're, I guess they're recruiting. Like that's usually so. The live period, uh, is is officially on uh after being a recruiting dead period for for yeah more than a, more than a year um which that it's been wild to try to keep track of recruiting when like so little like 
on-campus stuff is allowed. So yeah, I mean, there was there's a whole class of players, um, and more than that, like a, probably like a class and a half of you know players. Uh, yeah, really two full classes because you know guys at the end of the spring last year um, couldn't do their June vi- couldn't do a June visit if they wanted to. Well, even like in the spring, like when we were tracking, you know, Justin Turner, uh, you know, like they weren't allowing um, visits at that point. So everything was over Zoom. Uh, So that was like the spring commitments. uh, And then all of the class of 2021 uh, had to make decisions without on-campus visits. Uh, And then there have been several... um, several recruits in, in this past spring and, and class of 2022 have already made commitments having not been able to go to campus. So uh, that is now all behind us. As of uh, yesterday, we're recording this Wednesday, June 2nd. Um, and so recruits, coaches, they can, they can be together again, Matt. They can hold hands on campus. Uh, they can embrace um, they can all pay the things. For- they can leave candy on hotel bedrooms for for teenagers. They can take them out to steak dinners. They can, they can ha- yeah, they, get the, get the steak and lobster. They can they can have photo shoots in the facilities. It's all back. The rituals and rhythms are back, baby. Matt, like how much have you missed uh, Eric Musselman in an Arkansas jersey? Not at all. <laughs> Not. Um, one iota. <laughs> it was actually sort of disturbing. <laughs> so it's it is disturbing. Like it's just not something that you ever want to see. Uh, but yeah, the um, the live period is back in the sense that guys can will probably do campus visits this month. Um, there were um, in April and May there were grassroots events going on. Um, and There'll be a couple, I think, in June, but I think we're going to be kind of back into the rhythm of June is sort of a quieter period on the floor. Guys go out and use their visits. Um, We have probably more 2022 guys using official visits right now. Um, And then 2023 guys can start taking their unofficial visits um, right now. So those are basically your rising juniors in 2023. can. Go take unlimited unofficial visits and your guys in 2022, uh, your rising seniors can take five official visits. And some guys are planning to use them all right now in June, um, which is sort of interesting in the sense that a lot of times you'll see guys maybe hold off until the fall, you know, when there's football weekends and you can get back on campus and, you know, when there's kind of a more college environment, June's kind of dead <laughs> in college towns. Um, but we have guys that are using them. Uh, Missouri's going to have two, uh, two probably. I would argue they're like rankings wise, their two top targets will be on campus this month uh, in 2022. But uh, it's going to get back to normal. It'll be really interesting to see um, what guys, if we have any early decisions, or th- if the timetables are backed up right now. Like North Carolina just took a commitment a couple hours ago from a three-star kid. Um, Will Shaver out of Alabama. Do we start to see some other, maybe more notable prospects come off the board, or do we see kind of the normal process of guys committing in early fall before their senior season? So 
that that's kind of the minutia there. But it'll be interesting to see if if guys who have you know decided to lock up spots earlier in this class, and maybe they decide to do that for a couple of reasons, and we can get into that. But that's uh, the regular rhythms are back, and uh, we'll see what Missouri's doing over the next couple of weeks. So we do know uh, Aiden Shaw is obviously a, a big target. We've talked plenty about Aiden Shaw. Uh, he's looking at, at visiting Missouri. Um, Mark Mitchell's the other guy. There's uh, a few unofficial visits. Um, 2023, the kid, what was it? Braylon Blue. Braylon Blue, Blue uh, in Wisconsin. Who was like a cousin of... Uh, Oh, I just had his name and I just lost it. I can't play. Play, play, played for Marquette um, back in the day. I can't recall. Um, that that is news to me. I have not had time to go into the twenty twenty three kids yet. Uh, there's one kid here, Jalen Hooks, Vander. That's it, Vander Blue, Vander Blue. So yeah, so apparently like they're they're cousins or something. Um, uh, the one I know is uh, Jalen Cooks, I think, um, or Jalen Hooks, who's at uh, Crispus Attucks High School here, uh, located less than a mile from my office, um, alma mater of one Oscar Robertson. Um, and the original inspiration for Muncie's, uh, for uh, South Bend Central or whatever in Hoosiers, they're the team that supposedly inspired uh, the villainous uh, squad that uh, Hickory has to take down. And by villainous, not a bunch of white kids. So that's, you know, they inspired the problematic other in uh, Hoosiers. <laughs> slightly, uh, slightly racist at the time. Um, yeah, I, I don't care what anybody says. Hoosiers is a terrible movie um, for many reasons, but that's one of them. But uh, Jalen Hooks, a really, really talented wing there. I saw him a little bit last year. We were able to see some games live here in Indian. I saw him twice and he's a really, really talented kid. Um gonna be pro- arguably up there among uh there's another center at uh Cathedral High School here in Indy. I think him and Hooks may be up there for the top uh two kids in the twenty twenty three class out of Indiana, which means naturally that Purdue and IU are gonna be all over him uh, in short order. So we'll see what happens there. But they're gonna get him on campus, which hey, uh you gotta you gotta start somewhere. So those are the two they're gonna have uh this month. But realistically, uh it's probably best to start with Aiden Shaw and Mark Mitchell. Um I saw Mark uh this weekend, and by saw him and I saw him sitting on a bench with an elbow brace on after having elbow surgery, because he uh dislocated his elbow, injured some tendons in there, um, had to have some repair work done. So he was traveling with uh KC Run- uh, with Casey Run GMC for That's the Under Armour event. There you go. He, um, sitting on the bench, being a great teammate, cheering guys on. Um, part of huddles, you know, getting into it, chanting, you know, trying to be a good teammate. But uh, he's out for the rest of the summer, so um, you, we won't get to see him in action. But there's enough evidence to suggest that he's really, really good at the game of basketball. He's coming in on June 12. So he's and he's ranked uh, where top ten. He's top he's, ten. He's top ten uh, in the two four seven index. He's number ten, I believe, in the composite. And then Aiden Shaw is coming in a week later. Um, Aiden will reportedly be visiting Maryland and Oklahoma State uh, and Kansas. 
So those are four out of his five will be uh, used. Mark is apparently going to be taking in Missouri, uh, UCLA, Oklahoma State, Duke, and if uh, Eric Bossy's reporting is right, he'll also be at Kansas. So the big takeaway there is those guys are are going to be shooting all their bullets in June um, and using their five official visits early. Uh, so like that's sort of what I find interesting is we're not going to, those guys won't be, those guys will have taken unofficials and to various schools and they may have like seen some Missouri games or they may have been in the environment in the gym for some of them. But I think it's interesting. These guys are going to be on campuses when they won't be able to like experience a game day situation or kind of like that environment at these programs. Um, so that, that's interesting to me is that they're, they're just going to get these out of the way early. Um, I don't know if you have initial thoughts just kind of about Mitchell and, and Shaw getting on campus, given just the, the circumstances and given, you know, what Missouri needs in what's going to be a smaller 22 class. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, it's one of those things like you, we've known these guys have been priorities now for a while. Um, I mean, Missouri was one of the first real programs to be in hot pursuit of Mitchell. Uh, as early as his freshman year. I mean, Conzo was in there early. Um, you know, we've seen that kind of go the other way, <laughs> uh, where you spend a lot of time and energy on a player, and, and especially the, like that player. You know, the, I think the difference between someone like Mitchell and, um, you know, maybe somebody like Caleb Love is is, is Caleb Love, like early on in, in his high school career, was not really a five-star prospect. He, he became one. Yeah. Um, but Mitchell has always kind of been looked at as, as an elite player in his class, like from the go. Um, yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, I think getting in early maybe helps you some, um, obviously like, you know, we kind of chatted, like if you want to take little nuancey things into it, uh, like he is, he is close with, uh, Max Wisner, who plays for GMC, who Missouri uh, crossover Missouri basketball football fans may know uh, that name because he's a tight end commit for the 2022 class uh, at Mizzou. So, um, you know, Eli Drinkwood's maybe helping Zoe out a little bit there, taking Mark Mitchell's good buddy. I mean, Wisner's a elite level tight end prospect on his own right. Um, great size, good speed, all that kind of stuff. Um but yeah, I mean, a guy who had all kinds of offers. Uh, yeah, so that I mean, that was a, a good get. But you maybe hope that that friendship can play a little bit of a role. I tend to think that stuff is really overblown. Um, although I do think that the news that uh, you know Mike Shushevsky is is retiring at the end of next year um, could possibly play a role into Mitchell's interest because I think the, the Schools that have kind of been named uh, the most when it comes to, to to Mitchell have been UCLA and Duke. Yeah, UCLA Duke, um, obviously opposite ends of the country. Um, you know, but but getting onto the coast and and kind of you know playing at a premier school obviously has a lot of draw. Um, you know, does Coach K leaving kind of put you know? Duke out of the the focus a little bit is is he going to be more 
you know, inclined to look harder at, at UCLA because of that. Um, Missouri is obviously getting an official visit. They've been in there a long time. Uh, and then there was one other school. Who was he looking at? Uh, Oklahoma State's also in the mix. Yeah, that's, that's right. And it it looks kind of like KU is is not really. He'll be um, visit. He'll be visiting this month. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, he plays alongside KU commit Grady Dick for Run GMC. So who, who took a golf weekend? Apparently, um, so <laughs> the like the only thing that interested me that I find interesting right now about. Um, Mitchell's recruitment is what happens sort of with Duke because like I'm going to, this is going to be a tangent, but I, I swear I'll bring it back to Mark is like, I see guys just saying John Shire's, you know, primed and ready. He's going to be a head coach. You know, he's recruited these elite guys. And I think John Shire, like did a guy come to Duke because of John Shire or did John Shire do a great job? Like just tending to that relationship and then teeing up K to close. Like, I always feel like that's the thing, like, when we talk about these transitions, it's like, oh, he's been a right-hand man. And it's like, I understand that's there's a value in that, and I don't want to discount John Shire's expertise. I'm not in Duke's practices. I don't watch him scout. I don't watch him break down film. I don't watch him game plan. But what I will say is I feel pretty confident that, like, a kid is not picking Duke because of John Shire. They're picking it because John Shire, like, he may do a good job, like, what all, what really good assistants should do, which is, form a relationship, get a kid interested, you know, do a nice job, you know, facilitating that relationship with the head coach. But Kay's closing that. John Shire's got to close that now. And like, well, there's, let's just say there's a difference between like, if, if you're a 17 year old kid, there's a big difference between John Shire walking through your door and coach K and coach K walking through your door. Like, like, and this is, I think this is one of the things that we kind of talked about a couple years ago when, you know, when Cameron Fletcher and, and Caleb Love were kind of on the cusp of breaking out, um, you know, and, and we're, you talk about like, okay, it's one thing for Conzo to be battling um, like uh, Mike White or, well, or, or even uh, you know, like Bruce Weber or, you know, Fran McCaffrey or, uh, you know, Steve Prome, like guys that uh, like Zoe is in that caliber of, recognizable high major coach who like a kid will will be excited that they're 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 talking to him the first few times but there's a difference between when those guys walk into your door and when coach k walks into your door or Izzo <laughs> or roy or any yeah other. guys guys that are that are you know a little bit more iconic to the sport um so yeah uh, and as much as people like to dismiss Bill, there's that, I still think Bill Self will kind of have that quality with these guys moving on. Bill Self at Kansas with, given that he's basically been given a contract with impunity, an extension that grants him impunity for many things, means he, he plans to be there a while. Like, I feel like that's, Bill Self will move into that kind of position now as, with that gravitas and might get, you know, Tom Izzo still around, Jim Beheim still around. Those are kind of the guys that are going to still have that gravitas when they come in the room. But, yeah, so that's what I find interesting is like if Duke was someone you felt was in like pole position, how does it change now with Shire in that role or in that seat? Or does it just strengthen UCLA's hand? Can Mick Cronin now say, look, I'm here. We just went to an, we just went to a final four, you know, 
we're I'm here for a while. I'm well positioned. So that I just find that interesting. You know what happens and how that might shuffle the order there. Um, well, we are getting to the point now, and and not to completely get sidetracked here, but we are reaching a point where there's going to be some significant changeover at at kind of like the, the the top of college basketball here in the very near future. You talk about, I mean, anytime you're removing somebody like Roy Williams and you're removing uh, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, you know, like Jim Beheim uh, is... Probably going to go still, when his sons are done playing for him. Yeah, like he's, he's not going to be around forever. Uh, you know, Izzo is now kind of reaching the point where, like, I would not be surprised if... There's a change there, like in the next five years, um, and so like you are kind of seeing a little bit of the changing of the guard, uh, and, and and will that will that impact who you know kind of is and isn't considered, um, you know, not really like a blue blood. I think I, I think certain schools have done enough that they cement themselves, and you know, and if if Shire works out or doesn't work out. Uh, if he doesn't work out, like Duke will have their pick of whoever they want to bring in, um, you know. But I think we we have both kind of thought the same thing about North Carolina and North Carolina, you know, like placed some phone calls and the the interest for the job from some of their their initial targets. And now, granted, you're talking like okay, Jay Wright has built Villanova up to Mark, where they are, like Mark Few. Mark Few, like, are these guys really leaving, you know, top 10 programs? So there's a difference between top 10 programs and top 10 jobs. And and they are in a top 10 program. Um, Duke and North Carolina are obviously top 10 jobs, but but you're steering a top 10 program. So, like, what incentive do they have to leave? Um so yeah, it's it's certainly gonna be interesting in like the next couple of years. And I'm really kind of I'm thinking about like not just uh you know Kay, but like Coach Cal is completely changing the way that he's he's approaching his recruiting like this past year. Like he's recruiting guys with more experience. He's he's building what looks to be a little bit more of a cohesive roster. Um well you can't ignore and, this too, that we're seeing overtime league, we're seeing the G League, we're seeing legitimate or semi I'm saying more attractive developmental tracks for guys than the than college basketball coming online right now. And to bring it back to Mitchell, is that something where like over time, let's say over time Elite League or the G League Ignite program were to come back to Mark and you know try and get him interested? You know, if if Coach K is leaving Duke and you know say you're you are worried about Kansas having a cloud over it or whatever do you just say I'm going to take 500k and go spend a year preparing to be a pro like that's that's the other thing I think that Mitchell is like of that kind of caliber where he may have that decision to to weigh out so that's I think his recruitment's different than a guy like Shaw in the sense that you know, I thought I came into this spring and summer thinking that, you know, Aiden Shaw might be a guy who, you know, he's a top 50 kid, but like, was he going to explode to the point where he did what Caleb did a couple of years ago, where he's a high four-star kid 
but he just has such a dominant and such a good summer that he moves, you know, from 50 to 70 in the rankings into, you know, top 30. And that changes the caliber of school that's pursuing him. Cause right now his, his visits are Missouri, Oklahoma state, Maryland, and Kansas, like not a bad group. You know, Maryland's a, a really good, you know, Maryland's a really, really good program. You know, Mark Turgeon does a really, really good job there, especially in a tough, you know, recruiting territory like the DMV, Kansas is Kansas. Mike Boynton's had a really, really good, you know, track record of, you know, landing some top end talent. But it, we haven't seen like true blue bloods move in and start sniffing there. And like Aiden Shaw feels like a guy who is still in an attainable zone for Missouri, if that makes any sense. His stock is not elevated to the point where. Missouri's going to get squeezed out entirely. Like, again, that's not to dismiss Mark Turgeon and Bill Self and Mike Boynton. Well, yeah, I think I think Kansas being regional, you know, like plays a little bit of a different role. It's sort it's sort of like a you know a top seventy five kid getting, uh, you know, a visit to or even like this this three star uh, post that North Carolina that just got a commitment from, um, you know, like if you're that kid you know, and the regional power comes in, you know, like it's, it's more about like the regional power versus, you know, this, this blue blood that came and stepped in. Yeah. Um, and so I think like, it's smart if you're, if you're a blue blood, which I, you know, I think Kansas obviously is. And they've been operating this way for the last couple cycles, given the NCAA heat they felt they've, they've really gone hard into the Kansas city Metro area. To try and yeah, and 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 trying to kind of you know build through experience a little bit, and, and you know it's it's paid off for the most part. Um, you know, but I almost feel I, I do sort of feel like there's been a a little bit of an emboldened uh, move here with the recent news itself. You know, contract being what it is, and and the way that they I thought kind of changed their approach with recruiting. They I felt feel like they were going up lot harder after more kind of top level guys so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out and they shifted into that mode with like guys like bobby pettifer and ty ty washington this summer this spring so yeah they kind of pivoted back away from that grady dick is a regional guy out of wichita but he was a top 30 prospect you know mark mitchell's regional but kansas would recruit mark mitchell no matter where he was so it feels like those two guys it did it's happenstance that grady dick and mark mitchell are regional it feels like Aiden Shaw's a much, much more kind of conscious choice to stay in long there. But if you're Missouri, like you and I talked about this a lot, you know, Aiden Shaw fits what a Conzo Martin recruit is long, versatile, defensive minded first, loves to play at that end of the floor, is comfortable, you know, being a guy who's just, you know, takes an assignment off the scout and locks a guy up. Like that's, I think. I thought from the start that like that's the guy in this class that that you want. You know, he ticks off all the physical tools that you want. He ticks off the mentality you want. And given what his ceiling is offensively, he's the kind of guy that like we talked about with CJ Moore a couple weeks ago, that is that next step up for Conzo to have to land, to put in with a roster that's gonna have some guys who are on longer developmental tracks. So 
look, if they want to, if Mark Mitchell wants to go to Missouri, that's fine. I'm just, I think that I focus less on that and look more at what is Aiden Shaw going to do, especially in a class where, honestly, if you want to prioritize guys and you really want to winnow down, you can because you only have two scholarships to fill and you know one of them is going to probably be on the wing, given that Javon Pickett's leaving. So it, it just seems like this is a cycle where you can really, really hone in on less than a handful of guys and, and try and, and especially your top guy on the board. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of comes out of those two visits this month. Um, because the rest of the board, um, it looks sort of fluid or kind of <laughs> at this point, but um, we well, can... I do sort of think like, it's interesting is, you know, we, we do our best to, to track who they're recruiting and you see offers go out, and obviously it's, okay, so here's a guy that they're obviously interested in. So like, early in the spring, it was like, all right, Seth Trimble uh, is going to be a guy they're they're really interested in. Um, well, you know, then Seth Trimble kind of... Blows up. Blows up a bit. And he's, he's you know, so now instead of it being maybe, you know, Missouri versus, I don't know, like Marquette or, you know, some other... It's, it's you're, you're going up against Michigan. In North Carolina. Uh, and North Carolina. And then, like, I mean, Michigan has under, obviously, you know, Bayline did a phenomenal job at Michigan. Um, but I feel like Jawan Howard has taken what, what uh, Bayline did and even elevated that. Um, just from a standpoint of, like, I think they were still at the level that they're playing under Bayline of being kind of like a top 10 or 12 level uh, team. But now he's recruiting <laughs> like really well. And so, yeah, so I think that becomes sort of a tough get. So we, we know that they were interested in uh, who Avery Brown, right? Out yeah. of the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that they've been in touch with uh, who is the, kid norris from uh evansville right no they've been in touch with uh the guy they offered recently was chandler jackson out of memphis Tennessee. he was but even he's kind of blown up he went from not ranked into the top 150 for rivals although you and i now have our certain qualms with rivals given some staff turnover there but he's put together a really good spring and has had legit high majors moving in so you look at his offers and who's getting involved there you know, Chandler Jackson's definitely a guy that Missouri was in early on, but his stock is is moving at such a is moving to a level now where you wonder if getting in early matters. Like if it's just going to get to the point where the pool is so deep that you know he'll he'll have he'll be able to pick from you know Florida State or Texas or whoever else moves in and decides to get involved there. So. Uh, that's one that they've looked at. Richard Isaacs is a top 30 kid they supposedly offered. I've never seen like an actual report of a date of when that went out, but he's using all five of his official visits this month and Missouri's not one of them. And I get to the point now where like, even if we're not talking, even if we haven't talked to the spoken to Richard, the fact that he's named five places he's going to visit and used all of his visits and can't come to Missouri is, is telling like, if you wanted to, if Missouri was deep in the mix, I'm sure he would have taken a, an official visit and used it. He has not. Well, so didn't they, didn't they change the rule on that? Like it, it you was... can take five uh, officials in your junior year and five 
in your senior year. So you can basically take 10 over two years. But the guys now, if you are, once you are past, I haven't seen it amended. Maybe it was amended because of the pandemic, but um, basically as a rising senior, you can only take five still. So I, I tend to operate under that, uh, under that rule. So if guys are using four and five visits now in June, I think that's a pretty good indicator of, of where their interest lies because they're trying to get out and see those programs first. So um, like Isaac Trout, a guy I watched this weekend, Isaac's using all of his visits pretty early. Missouri was in there before he was even a top 120 kid. And he's now elevated to the point where he's uh, looking at it now. He's basically a top 50 prospect and he's not visiting Missouri. So even though he's like told people, Missouri's recruiting me really hard. Like he's not taking an official visit here. So at some point it's, it's gotta be like, okay, you're recruiting a kid hard enough, but are you getting them on campus? Are you doing this type of stuff? Like rubber meets road at some point. And so that's where I think we're kind of getting with some of these guys. Like I think Darian Ford, another kind of combo point that they're recruiting is using all of his official visits. And I don't think Missouri's on the list there. So you start to look at where guys are visiting. And, you know, I think to me that indicates preference orders for them. And right now, Missouri's got two guys using visits, and it's Shaw and Mitchell. Now, I don't know if there's any reason to f- like f- freak out, and I-, I hate using that term because Missouri's got two scholarship openings <laughs> in this class, like, and they have one at the wing. So they've really and all and their top two targets on their board are visiting. So, and from that perspective, that's fine. But like. Given what Conzo has said this spring about the transfer market, like, would it be crazy for them just to use one scholarship in the fall and then, you know, have one to use in the spring? And if there's any other staff turn, if there's any other roster turnover, you go hit the transfer portal hard. I don't know. There's a bunch of different ways to skin the cat in this environment, but Missouri is working with two scholarships right now. So, you know, does it make sense for them to bring in 12 guys who are visiting for two spots? Right. I, I'm not sure. So, well, but, and we've seen, we've seen like the way Zoe kind of operates. Like he really kind of seems to focus hard on a, on a small limited group. Uh, and like, this is, I think you kind of pointed out earlier, like this is very reminiscent of, you know, like two years ago where they really only had like two official visits when it was Caleb love and, uh, Davion Bradford. Well, and they also they did bring uh, Wilmore in for for yeah. an official. So yeah, they weren't spraying official visits out. You know, just trying to you know make it look like they were uh, working hard at recruiting. Um, you know, they were being selective of the guys that they were bringing on and 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 guys that they wanted to sort of have as part of the program. Um, and it looks like it's probably going to be pretty similar this year. So. Yay, more quiet Mizzou recruiting. <laughs> it's like, it's it can be for, so frustrating uh, for somebody that, you know, like we're tasked with writing about this um, to try to figure out like exactly where they're going to go. I think that, um, I think that at most he would sign three guys with the idea that obviously there, there there would be some level of turnover from your roster next year that 
is unexpected. But yeah, I, I think at most three, definitely one, but probably two. That's what I'm saying. And if you're looking for positions of focus, almost half the offers have gone out to wings. So like, what's the, what's the position of need? Probably on the wing. Like who's going to dribble the basketball, Matt? I don't know. They've offered by my count, uh, seven point or combo guards. Um, if you consider that they might be out of the mix for Trimble, Isaacs, and Darian Ford, that would leave you Trey Pettigrew, Chandler Jackson, Avery Brown, kind of as your trio of guys left. They offered Pettigrew? Yeah, they offered him on August 13, 2020. It's in the spreadsheet, Sam. <laughs> I, I would never doubt the spreadsheet, Matt. Um, <laughs> it's like... I, it, I feel like they've been recruiting other guys uh, and I, you never hear his name mentioned with Missouri really. So, but you know, like this is, I feel like this is another thing that, that, that like Conzo will, they'll offer somebody and then like, you'll never hear of them contacting them again. <laughs> like even uh, who is it? The, the kid from South Carolina, Julian Phillips. Yeah. Like they offered him and then it was it. Yeah. So like, I mean, and I realize like there's a lot of these offers where it's like in order to even recruit a kid, you have to offer a scholarship or, you know, that kind of bullshit of, you know, the AU program is trying to, you know, run up the number of offers the kid has. So it makes them look better, whatever. Um, you know, so we don't really like it might have just been like, uh, you know, it's Cornell the cost of doing business. Reaches out, yeah, re- reaches out to the player and is like, are you offering? It's like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. Like, they offered Kalel Ware, and then, like, you haven't heard anything else since then. Like, a top 30 post out of Arkansas. They offered him in January. Hey, he, he made, like, the top, or, or uh, he, he dropped Missouri into the top, what was it, 12, 12? 15? Top 12, I think. So, yeah, like uh, that initial <laughs> that initial cut down. <laughs> they made the Woo! graphic. They made the graphic. Um. But no, I think you and I have talked since the start. Like, the wing position has been kind of the one thing we knew they were going to need in this class. Like, even before Torrance Watson moved on, we were going to, we were looking at a situation where Torrance Watson and Javon Pickett were going to be seniors. You needed a wing in this class. And then I agree with you that getting another ball handler would be optimal um, in this, in this set, in this setup. I think they've got, a lot of dudes between six, five and six, nine. So, you know, you could say you could go after a combo forward, I guess, but there's enough dudes to sort of solve that problem or, and toggle around. But I think you need, if I had, if I could use the two scholarships they have open, it would be on a ball handler and on a wing. And then, you know, see what you can get out of the transfer market. If there's some turnover, this, you know, at the end of next season and then kind of go plug that hole with a one year rental. And because this cycle, they have two openings next year in 2023, they're going to have four. So this year feels like if there's one where you can focus on some higher end guys, this is the class to do it in. We'll see if they can reel one in. Um, They didn't in 2020. Um, They ultimately took Jordan Wilmore, who was, clearly a developmental 
uh, prospect for them with their one scholarship. But like that, that's really what it is now. You know, I think it, it to me, it's, can they get, yeah. And I, and I hate putting too much emphasis on this because I think it's, it's, you know, they're like, we've said, they're going to sign, they're going to sign guys. And then we're going to see what those guys do when they get to campus. But I know fans care about optimal scenarios. So the optimal scenario is you get a guy like Aiden Shaw and you're plugging that guy into your wing rotation. You get a, like if you could land Chandler Jackson, that'd be you know that'd be solid. So now you've got you know a good you know three or four year point guard. You've got a higher end wing prospect, and you can go into the spring you know ready to be flexible if guys move on. Like that would be the ideal scenario or something like that. So, um, but we'll see. Uh, there, uh, it's a couple of weeks till visits happen, and maybe we'll see uh, some other visitors uh, get on the uh, docket for Missouri. Another guy that might be worth keeping an eye on uh, is John Lovelace, um, who does hold a Mizzou offer. Uh, I'm, I, I think the uh, the move of, of Lovelace to um, to leave Milwaukee and and head to, uh, I guess we could say, friend of the program uh, down there in in Springfield, uh, Robbie Anders is starting. A prep school, uh, a prep school, and uh, we are United Prep School, and and John Lovelace is uh, is joining joining the team. So him and another Missouri offer is uh, Jonathan Dunn. Um, Dunn was originally from St. Louis, uh, so like I feel like there's maybe a little smoke there, something to kind of keep an eye on. Um, I definitely think somebody like Lovelace fits a lot of what you know Conzo is trying to do, where. He's just trying to sign as many six, seven guys as he can. Yeah. <laughs> Who plays what position doesn't matter. They're all six, seven. Yeah. You basically just, just pick the best matchup and that guy is the point guard. Like, all right. So we're going to, we're going to have uh Lovelace bring the ball up because for some reason the other team put, you know, their power forward on him. So um, that that's how it's going to work out. Six sevens across the board. <sighs> yeah, it's um, uh, D- him and Jonathan Dunn. Um, <laughs> like I like you trying to pivot away from that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's I like I watched Jonathan Dunn a, a lot this weekend. I watched five Gander's Law basketball games, uh, which it was nice just to be like, oh, this is what this person looks like live. It is nice to be able to sit here and look at you and see what you look like in the flesh and how you play basketball and not have to try and like glean insights from two to five minutes of highlights. It's It was nice to be able to see that. Um, I think you can see traits of why they like Jonathan Dunn a lot. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how he develops and fleshes out his skill set. Like the kid just plays insanely hard. Like I, whatever critiques you can have about his skill set, effort is not one of them. Yeah. That kid busts it getting up and down the floor, offense to defense, you know, are there sometimes some issues in ball screen defense? Yeah. But man, that kid has no problem talking, calling coverages, no problem, you know, letting guys know where they are on the floor, you know, where he is, relation to the baseline. He does all the things you want, you know. It's uh, so from an effort and engagement perspective, 100% there. Um, 
just in the way that Yanders runs their offense, you know, he's not a primary touch guy. A lot of his stuff, like they will run like kind of a set for him where they have a back screen for him at the elbow and they let him dive into a post catch. But other than that, it's like you got to like find what you eat, brother, on rim runs, dump offs or getting on the glass. Uh, didn't see him pick and pop a lot this weekend. Um, he can post, but like sometimes, Grant, this is a U ball, and sometimes like entry passes and entry angles on those passes are not great. But there are still sometimes catchings, still some issues on counters when he's posting up. Like, but you can see a lot of kind of I think what Missouri would like in him, and the fact that he plays hard, he's engaged defensively. Like, if you believe that we want a guy with physical tools and effort and who shows some promise doing like things that can hold up in P and R's and switch a little bit and, you know, be active on the glass. Dun's your guy. The offense is going to, you know, from like a pure skill perspective is going to be a work in progress. So uh, take that for what that's worth. Um, I will say, and I will bang the drum for a guy I, that I think we've talked about before. I really liked what Todd Manning did this weekend. He plays for Casey run GMC. He was, touted a couple of years ago when he was a freshman, like as kind of a guy who's coming up like in maybe in the same league as like a Mark Mitchell or some other guys in Kansas city. He was six, six as like a freshman and then stopped growing as, as sometimes happens. And he's been kind con- And I think from a developmental perspective, some people thought he may as he may was going to just stay a post. He was going to get big and he was going to play in the block. So like some perimeter skills are a little bit raw. Like you would not want him bringing the ball up. You know, he's not a guy who you're going to put in a ball screen and have him attack, but, you know, as a six, six and a half kind of undersized, like hybrid dude, he does a lot of things really well. Um, really, really, he's got a little bit more of a fleshed out offensive skill set and a you know, scoring package on that end of the floor. Also acted defensively, really engaged, you know, good positional defender, really, really engaged in pick and roll coverages. So, Another guy that I that I kind of wish Missouri might kick the tires on was Todd Manning out of, of the Kansas City area, who plays at who started at Grandview and wound up at Bishop Miege, uh, now plays with Mitchell there. So, two bigs I saw this weekend that I that I kind of liked, uh, at least from watching. Uh, finally, getting to watch three to five games of basketball of dudes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I just I don't really know where they where they go. Uh it's it's gonna be interesting. Hopefully they just they get, you know, Shaw and a point guard and maybe Terrace Reed and we we call it a wrap. Um assuming Terrace gets out of uh East Lansing without committing. Yeah. He he really does kind of seem like a, a big ten kind of player, doesn't he? If you told me that Terrace Reed was going to Michigan State, Purdue, or Ohio State, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And, like, just from skill set to personality, everything, yeah, I would just say. The way he plays. Yeah. He, he, just, he looks a lot like, like yeah, a, looks looks a lot like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's a, he's a, he looks like a Big Ten player. Um no, I the mean, best, in, in the best, in the most complimentary sense. Yeah, like he's not a guy that I would. I mean, if if he wanted to come to Missouri, like I think he would be a a, a good SEC player, and and he would be very welcome. Yeah, like you would you would take him. He's a good player, but but his style of play, the way the big 
you know, tends to play, uh, seem to kind of go hand in hand. So it would surprise me to see him not end up in the Big Ten. Yeah. But again, if if he, if he wanted to pick Missouri, there'd be no objections here. It wouldn't be, well, he's not quite like a guy who's going to play, you know, fast-paced or pick, and they'd be like, well, you know, a really, really good kind of more traditionalist post player who can pick and pop. Sure. Come on down. We'll adapt. Because <laughs> that guy also plays really, really hard and does a lot of things you want. So the, just offensively, maybe not kind of what Konzo's expressed interest in recently in bigs, but ain't no doubting that uh, he's really, really good. If you look at, if you kind of compare his, at least statistically, his development, he's he's up there with some of the best bigs to come out of St. Louis recently. So he's he's going to be a prize for someone. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. We're uh, we're probably going to wrap this up. Um. Mainly because I think uh, we'll kind of see how these visits go, and I, I think over the next couple of weeks, hopefully, we start to. Get a little more news trickle in as far as maybe some cutdowns lists. Uh, now that Missouri is actually able to, you know, bring back guys onto campus, they're going to start, you know, being able to see prospect prospects live again. Uh, you might start seeing, you know, some more offers go out. Um, you know, so we're 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 kind of getting to a point where I I think you're going to start seeing a little bit more recruiting news, um, you know, pick up hopefully. Uh, as for our football uh, colleagues, um, they have, they'll have a lot to talk about on the next podcast because Night at the Zoo, uh, I think, is happening today. It is happening now. Yeah, including Luther Burden on campus, Matt. It, 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 I don't have any little flip queued up here. I don't, I don't have it. No. Uh, no, I don't. Um. Although I should, that's an excuse to play some Houston rap. So that's, that's, that's on me. Uh, um, sorry. I didn't rep H town in this segment. So, and I know that, uh, as we're kind of wrapping things up here, um, I think last podcast, I kind of teased a SEC piece. Um, but the funny thing happened. The, uh, softball team, uh, went on a bit of a run and, and had kind of a lot, of, lot going on in my normal posting window of the weekend. Uh, and so we kind of let that ride. Um, I'll probably be having something along those lines this weekend where we can start to, to kind of look at Missouri's, uh, you know, place and, and the SEC since they've joined and it'll be a nice uplifting walk through the past, Matt. I mean, you're doing that. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at assistant, I'm looking at assistant salary pool numbers here. So we're, we're both just, you know. We're gonna be. Uh, well, we're gonna have a lot of uh, of information that I I hope people uh, take our articles and print them up and then uh, look at them in November. And and well, I was gonna say trifold them, uh, place them in a sealed envelope and and mail them to uh, the athletic d- department, um, care of Jim Sterk. and and maybe if uh, if the full context of the program is is provided, um. Maybe they maybe they make some changes and they they start to uh, to make the kinds of decisions, Matt, that you and I would like to see them make. And by by that, I don't I don't at all mean um, 
firing the head basketball coach. <laughs> that is that is not what I am talking about. I'm merely talking about uh, an adequate amount uh, invested into the program to make sure that the head basketball coach has a, a good chance to succeed. Regardless of who, of who that person is. <laughs> Precisely. Um, so uh, in a couple weeks, we'll... I, I don't know. We'll talk about more stuff, but uh, hopefully there's plenty of good football recruiting news. And who knows? Maybe Mizzou gets a commitment. Um, well, we'll, well, we're going to be back before either of those guys visit, right? Uh, yeah, we'll be back. We'll we, we'll be back after um, we'll be back after Mark visits. So Mark will visit. So maybe Mark Mark commits, cuts all ties. You know what, Coach K, you're retiring. Not interested in, in playing for for John Shire. I've got enough enough health insurance, thanks. I don't um, want to play for a dead ender, so yeah. Gonna... You never you never yeah. want to be the coach that follows the legend. You want to be the coach uh you want that to be the follows, guy after the guy. Yeah. <laughs> the guy behind the guy behind the guy. Bill Guthridge was pretty good. It was the guy behind the guy after Bill Guthridge was ugh, he was not good. Then the, then you wanted to be Roy Williams, who was the guy Behind the guy, behind the guy. So I, I, I would happily argue this point, um, mainly because Bill Guthridge was, uh, so Bill Guthridge was the North Carolina version of Jim Cruz. Correct. Where he was a great game day coach, but he also stopped recruiting. So by the time Matt Doherty got there, that roster was in bad shape. And it took him a few cycles to kind of get the roster back into good shape. And by that time, all of North Carolina was pissed at him uh, and they fired him. Roy comes in to a really nice roster <laughs> and suddenly they're winning again. So I, I, I'm not necessarily convinced that Matt Doherty would have been, uh, you know, gangbusters for, for the, you know, the Tar Heel faithful. But it is really because of... Uh, of Jim Cruz and uh, and because of Bill Guthridge, that you know that there was a little little bit of skip um, in the success of the the programs in North Carolina. Not that North Carolina and SLU are are similar, but it certainly took Travis Ford a little bit to kind of get things going at SLU um, after you basically bury your program. Um, weird how that happens, Matt. If you if you don't invest in your program and you and you hire somebody that has no business uh you know being the head coach and who doesn't recruit well things tend to go poorly it's it's really stunning <laughs> how that happens that's never happened to missouri um nope all right yeah we're already at an hour i thought we were gonna call uh cut this kind of short and here we are 57 minutes later uh so tune in um in two weeks make sure that you're subscribed all that kind of stuff so you can uh, listen to nate and bk chatted out about football Uh, And we will talk to you guys in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in.